Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another short news flash podcast from PortugueseSoccer.com. My name is John Neves, dropping another podcast episode this week. I didn't get a chance to do one last weekend, and here I am now doing two of them. And this one will be a little bit different. Um, want to talk a little bit about the TV side of the industry. Um, I've always been very fascinated by it. Most people only know of TV when they're watching, but they don't know what goes behind it. And I'm very excited to have Nino Torres from Gold TV, spelled G-O-L. Uh, they are, of course, uh, the language rights holders in English for the Liga in North America. Uh, but let me just bring you in. Uh, Nino, thank you for being on. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me, John. Thank you for having me. We were supposed to do this on, on Friday, but uh, I got some issues with my... Uh, my communication, so I, I thought I sent the response, but I didn't send the reply, and then I won't. So here we are, finally. Yeah, huh? not a problem, not a problem at all. Uh, I'm glad that I got you here right now, and that's what counts the most. Um, I guess I want to start off first. Uh, give us your Twitter handle. Promote. Go ahead and promote your Twitter handle. It is uh, ESPNino74. That's my okay. my Twitter account, my Twitter handle. Yeah. So to start, Gold TV is the English language rights holder. Um, is this the fourth year that you guys have been broadcasting the Liga? It's actually uh, 18, 19. Is this, uh, in English, it's the second one. Second, okay. uh, second season that I've been, uh, I was, um, I've been brought in uh, last season. So it's my second season also with, uh, uh, with Gaul TV. Now, one of the questions that I want to always ask is... Um, how does one go about getting the English language rights uh, to really any league around the world? And in this case, obviously, we're talking about Portugal. So um, I have a TV station. It's on cable. I need inventory. Do I just call up the legal office in Porto and try to cut a deal and do the broadcast? Or is it something that's genuinely done through like a third party system? Is there like an agent involved? Uh, as far as I know, there is no uh, third party involved. Uh, what, I, what I know is that um, uh, the executives from, uh, from, from, our, from, our, uh, from our channel, from Gold TV, uh, they reached out the, uh, the different leagues, in this case, uh, the, the, the Primera Liga, and they sent a, a proposal. Once the, uh, the Liga accepts the, the, the proposal, they, uh, they go into the details about how uh, who uh, who has the rights or or not. I just just now I know that a, uh, they sent a proposal to uh, the uh, Bolivian uh, first division. Uh, that's uh, deal is in, is in the making right now, but uh, they sent the proposal to the uh, executives of the uh, Bolivian federation, and once uh, they accept the terms and conditions. Uh, we go from there and we uh, will acquire the rights to broadcast the, uh, the league. Yeah, and uh, is there a situation, because I know that uh, every week when I watch Gold TV, which I have as part of my cable package, uh, I think it's also available on satellite. And correct me not if I'm wrong, you're also available in Canada, correct? And what again? In Canada? Or is it I just in so, the yeah. States? It's yeah. uh, whoever gets uh, Gold TV, if they got Gold TV in Canada, which I don't know if they have, I, I, I think they are, right? They, they have Gold TV. I'm going to ask my friends. I've got a couple of friends that live in, in, uh, in Montreal, so uh, I'll ask him. But uh, if, they have the, if, if they have the channel, you should be able to, to, to watch it on, in Canada, too. Now, uh, 
there's about, you know, you have so many games every week. Do you guys sit down and decide what games to do? Obviously, you're going to do the big three matches that involve right. any of the big three and probably a Braga or perhaps a Guimarães. Um, but you guys don't necessarily do all the games. So are you capped at only doing five or six or it's a lot of it has to just do with scheduling and you decide what games you're going to actually broadcast? Right. This is, this is how it works. Okay. Uh, it's a, we broadcast 13 games a week for the international leagues that we, that, that we broadcast. It's a Primera Liga, uh, Liga Pro Ecuador, and um, the Uruguayan First Division. Right between those three leagues, we have 13 games each week, and uh, they decide in, in, in Miami which which ones are the um, that is sent to us. Uh, obviously, uh, if, if Benfica, the big three, are playing, we're gonna get those three games plus another two. And uh, usually, it's five games from um, five or six from the uh, from the Primera Liga, and then we spread out the other six between uh, Uruguay and uh, and Ecuador. Gotcha. And the way it works also is um, you guys are essentially getting what we call the naked feed from Portugal. And then you, right. in essence, put your graphics on it. Because I remember many years ago in Portugal, 50, 20 years ago, I've been doing this now 25. But the many times that I was in Portugal, you would be watching a game. And let's say Portugal was playing a team in Germany. You would actually see the German graphics on the screen and then they would have the Portuguese talent <laughs> talking over it. Uh, now, I think it's just you take uh, the graphics. Is that how it works? And are you getting it from Sport TV? Uh, yes, uh, we, get the, uh, we get the graphics because uh, uh, it's, it's kind of it's complicated, uh, for me at least. Uh, they send in the, the graphics from Portugal to Peru, where we are now, where I'm at. And um, then we send the signal to the U.S. with the, with the audio all together, we send the whole thing to the U.S. Uh, in this right set, triangle thing that we're doing from Portugal, Peru, and then we send the signal to, um, to the U.S. and the uh, North America. By the way, it should be mentioned that I'm talking to Nino, Nino, and he's in Lima, Peru, but the broadcast is out of Miami. Right. And that's what's beautiful about technology. So I, I think that that's uh, – and by the way, that technology, is it like – does it work like a Zoom where you log on and uh, you've got the feed of the game and you talk into it? Or um, are you going into a studio somewhere in Lima, Peru, to actually do the broadcast? Yes, we, we have a studio here in, in Lima. Yeah, we have a studio. And uh, we got, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's a TV station. Uh, we go there and we broadcast because we also um, produce all the games for the, um, for the Peruvian League, for the Liga Uno. Then as also we started we just started sending the uh, the highlights we have to Football Peru, which is the uh, the uh, the weekly show uh, for the, all the all the games that they're playing here in Peru. We send it out. We're not broadcasting the games, which is broadcasting the highlights uh, every week. And uh, hopefully soon maybe we'll have to uh, to broadcast the Peruvian game, the Peruvian league too for the US. So so yeah, we're going into a studio. I got my. Uh, my booth there, it's just, I'm being crazy now with all these protocols, man, it's just, it's just being crazy because, uh, but I'm, I feel safe. I feel safe because um, really the, uh, the guys on the, um, on the TV station here, uh, they're, they're really taking care of us and they're providing all the, 
all the biosecurity uh, rules and uh, they're providing with, with masks and, and everything. And I'm really, um, I'm really feeling safe in my work environment there, for sure. Gotcha. Now, I, I know you are the announcer and sometimes you're on your own, correct? And I notice I've heard another voice that does the game. So is there multiple groups or are you just the main guy? You, you hear another voice? Oh, yeah. So uh, there's one in, uh, in English. We do, uh, we do, I'm the commentator and I'm the, the play-by-play. So, and also the guy on the, on the field. So I'm all together in one. And, uh, but we are three, uh, three talents. And, uh, but I, um, I'm the one that gets the, uh, the, the big games, you know? uh, the Porto, the, the big games in Ecuador too. I'm the, um, I'm the lead uh, talent, if you want to call it like that, yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, um, I guess before you started doing this, compared to now where obviously you're much more educated on the Liga, what did you mm -hmm. know? Because, you know, when most people think of, you know, soccer, football, whatever word you use in your part of the world, they're thinking about the big teams in Europe. And obviously right. people, the Premier League, the Bundesliga, La Liga, Syria. Um, but I don't think sometimes that there is as much of a, a knowledge about, you know, the Liga Portugal, the Liga Noach. How does, uh, what did you know before you started this project? What did you know about Portugal before you started? Were you already following the league, even if it was maybe from afar? Uh, did that play into a factor why you were able to be the broadcaster here? Uh, well, I'm in, uh, I'm a journalist and sports journalist and been covering different leagues in, uh, for different years. And I spent a lot of time in um, the U.S. and I got seven seasons I spent covering the, the MLS. I was the beat writer for the Columbus crew. I was in a, a, a broadcast talent also covering in Spanish. I was doing Spanish and, and English coverage. And, um, but for the Premier Liga, we don't have much games here, in, uh, at least in, in, in Peru or in, in the U.S. It was not that I was following, you know, that close, that up and close that I'm following now. I'm following every week. I mean, I'm studying every day, preparing every day for the games. But of course, you know, the, the big names, you know, Benfica, Porto, Sporting Club, and uh, we have Peruvian players playing in, um, in, in the Liga too, you know, Paulo Hurtado, we have uh, Andres uh, uh, Andres Carrillo. And uh, we've been following the league uh, because of the Peruvian players that they're, they were playing there. But I'm not that much in depth that as I've been in the past couple of years. I'm just, just crazy because it consumes lots of my time because I, you know, I have to also watch all the leagues. I would say that I uh, watch a good, I don't know, 20, I would say 30, 30, 25 and 30 games a week that wow. I'm watching. Yeah. Well, you know what? At least you get paid to watch it. That's the good thing, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course, of course. Uh, but in the, it was it was crazy in the first uh, couple of months after the um, the uh, the pandemic was not the, the pandemic wasn't over, but the, the the Portuguese league came back. It was in June, right? Yes. In June. Yeah. And uh, they also came back uh, Ecuador. I was the um, I was the only talent calling the games. 
So I was, I was, I was calling around 11, 10 games a week by myself. So that was, that was, it was crazy. It was crazy. But uh, now we got a, a couple more guys. So going to spread out the, uh, the broadcast on my, uh, my throat is very thankful for that. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Uh, but hey, uh, you know, I always like to say, you know, anything I do with football or soccer, as far as I'm concerned, it really isn't work. You know, it's a, right. uh, you know, a labor of love, especially when it comes to uh, Portugal. Um, exactly. One other question I want to ask that I was always curious. So many years ago, I got a chance to, when uh, Greece hosted the Olympics, I was involved with some of the research team uh, uh-huh. that helped out the broadcasters like JP Della Camera, Glenn Davis, uh, Shep Messing. Steve Cangelosi. Um, and uh, one of the things that amazed me the most, because I think in North America, it's a very common thing that the teams provide the TV broadcasters, you know, detailed information, game notes, right. things of that nature, right. which obviously, as you know, when you're doing a broadcast, uh, it's one thing to say what's going on, but you also want to add history and context to you know, what, what goes into a match, especially if it's between the two rivals to kind of maintain the interest. And I've always been like curious. I mean, is there a relationship at times being that Gold TV has the license to show the game? In other words, you've got, let's say, Benfica's playing Boa Vista on Monday. Do you have a, a, right. is there a line of communication with Benfica so that if you need information, uh, Gold TV is able to get it, especially pronunciation charts and things of that nature? Or it's really something where, as I learned in Greece, we had to do all our own research and get the information for the TV. Are you on your own or is there a line of communication open with the legal office and the clubs to get the information that you need? No, I, I don't have any uh, direct communication with the, with the leagues, with the league or, or the team. So I, I do it on my own. I do my own research. I do my prep time. And I spend a lot of time uh, getting, getting as much information as I can in order to uh, provide the uh, the best broadcast, and I, I, I hear, and I, it's just crazy because I, um, I hear the, the broadcast in, in Portuguese, and I also sometimes we, um, uh, we, we broadcast the, uh, the Eredivisie, the, the, uh, Dutch. the Dutch Cup, and uh, I, and I'm, it's just crazy, man, because the, the, the pronunciation of some some names, it's just ridiculously it's difficult it is difficult but I, I i do my best and i try to hear you know the dutch accent and i play it again and i do all my stats on my own i uh yeah i spend a, a, a fair amount of time you know doing my prep in order in order to to be ready enough for the, the best product as, as i can yeah that's always one of the things that's that just shocks me because i know when it comes to the champions league in europa there is an agency, I believe they're either out of Belgium or Switzerland, that puts all the information together for the announcers. Right. So if you're uh, even the media, you're able to get all this incredible amount of information. But um, that's only the case because that's a billion-dollar industry, of course. But uh, I've always been amazed at how much work someone has to do as it opposed to working with the leagues. And, and especially because, you know, if you guys are doing this, then you're only helping the Portuguese product in North America. Right, right. It's 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 a lot of work, but it's and like you said, it's not a work. It's just passion, you know. It's just passion to to look for the um, all these stats and all the information, and uh, and I, I I'm really glad that I am rely on your on your uh, on your posts too, man. When you translate all that information from the Portuguese media, I mean, it's just man, thank you very much, man. Uh, 
Thank it, you. It helps me. It helps me a lot with um with all the information that that they post from Nabola, from from sport, from the uh, the, the the Portuguese uh, uh, newspapers, and um in uh in in the MLS too. In the MLS, it's just the uh, it's just it's just different, right? Especially when you go to stadiums in the box media, the amount of uh, information that you get it's just fantastic, man. The coverage of the in, in the US is just fantastic. You get there, you got your brochure here, you got your information here, you got the the, the TV, you got the radio guy, you got audio, you got everything, man. When you get there, it absolutely. Stunning, man! The, the the coverage in in the U.S. for for the MLS, it's crazy, man. Yeah, I've heard some of the Premier League clubs do a, a pretty good job too. But uh, you know, again, that was like one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, you know, how does that work? And uh, it's as as I assumed, you know, you certainly need to do all your research. And and by the way, I've always seen it where, you know, when I look at Spanish or I read Spanish, I understand it perfectly. But right. I think. I've learned over the years that I guess if you speak Spanish, sometimes it's not easy to understand the Portuguese. It doesn't come as easy. Is that true with you? It is. Uh, uh, I thought it was, it's like Italian too. You think you can get it, but uh, sometimes you just get lost, man, really bad, man. Because sometimes you go 100 miles an hour, and then when you go on the speed, they're like, ooh, ooh, what did they say? I'm just, you grab something, but i not, Hundred percent. I would say I will catch. I will catch a fifty percent of what the what they're saying in, in Portuguese. Yeah, but uh, but I think I would love to learn. I would love to learn. This is uh, it sounds beautiful. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I just realized uh, you mentioned that you have a background in uh, Columbus, so I think we might have a mutual friend, Ernesto Mota. I'm not sure if that that name is familiar. He's the uh, Spanish guy with the New York Red Bulls. Uh, he's been around for like twenty years. You may have come across them once or uh, twice. Maybe, maybe I and I, I, I used to write for uh, uh, Cross America, and um, yes. there's a uh, there's a uh, guy in New York, uh, Alfredo Fumacas. He yes. doing a, he does a podcast for uh, Benfica too. So we uh we got in touch uh, against yeah, yeah Alfredo. I, I know Alfredo, and another okay. person. But, um, right, I know. Like, yep, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, Let's shift gears and talk about what's going on in the Liga. And um, first off, uh, very glad that uh, they are playing. Um, obviously, last year they were able to uh, finish the season and it ended with uh, Porto toward the very end, kind of running away with it and Benfica stumbling. And obviously over the summer, there were a lot of changes. The biggest, of course, came with Benfica bringing in JJ and spending over 80 million in reinforcements and um, I said in my last podcast that the biggest problem that we've had has been the short preseason and, you know, Benfica just ran into a lot of bad luck playing puck, you know, the very first match wow. of the year, the most important match of the season. And they even have to go away. Wow. And, and then of course you've got sporting, they were eliminated from Europa. Uh, and then now you have a situation with uh, Porto. Uh, eight points they've lost. They could be eight points off the pace, depending on what happens with uh, Boavista and Benfica. And I guess I'll start off first off, um, you know, Benfica, what's uh, being in Lima, Peru, you know, obviously you probably came across hearing about Flamingo a lot, being in South America. Right, right, um, right. What do you think? The, the Copa Libertadores here, the final. 
Yeah, what, uh, what do you think about uh, JJ? Do you think that this is somebody that's capable of coming back to Portugal and bringing some international success to Benfica? Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And uh, after that, uh, I mean, they won the Copa Libertadores with Flamengo last year. And then they, the Benfica went and uh, talked to JJ and they brought it back. You know, he had success uh, prior uh, uh, with the Eagles. And uh, the, uh, the most important thing for me, it's uh, the way that this, uh, that I call them the, the, new kids, the new kids on the block that are uh, Luca Waldschmidt, uh, Sevolina, and, uh, and, uh, and Darwin. The, it's, it's not easy to do to get to another team from a different league and connect with each other, get in sync. All three, this, this trident for me, it's, it's just absolutely stunning this season for Benfica, which is not the case with the other two, with other big three, right? With, with Sporting and Porto, they're struggling on top. And Benfica is just having it easy, so easy so far in the tournament. And I, I think they're going to end up winning the both, the, the Liga and the Europa League. Yeah. I have no doubts in my mind that they're going to be, I mean, unless they, something happens, they can meet Arsenal or Leicester in the finals and anything could happen against those teams from the Premier League. But I, I think Benfica, uh, they're going to win it all. All they're going to play, all the competitions that they're going to play this season, they want to win it all. Sure. Yeah, it was a very interesting week at Benfica because they had the presidential club election and, uh, you know, I don't know, it may be in uh, Peru, uh, South America, if it holds the same weight, but in Portugal, being president of a club is, you know, you're pretty much just as famous and popular as, well, if you're winning at least, as, you know, the most famous player on uh, your team. But uh, I think for me, what's been interesting about, you know, Benfica is they are literally a Champions League team playing in Europa. That's the best way yeah. to describe them with all the you know, with all the amount of money they, uh, they have made. And, uh, you know, I don't know if a lot of people would agree with you and, and say, yeah, these pro Benfica and, you know, Benfica is, you know, how do they think they're going to win that easy? Because we still have a, a long ways to go. But, uh, you know, certainly right now, as we drop this podcast on the weekend of October the 31st, um, yeah, I'd have to agree that right now Benfica looks like they are in the uh, best shape. Um, and then, you know, Switching the gears and talking about sporting, um, I, I, you know, sporting, the last time they won was about 19, 20 years ago. Right. That was the team, that generation that had, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a striker, Mario Jardel. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. They had, uh, you know, they had Juan Pinto, uh, and I believe, you know, young Cristiano Ronaldo, who, you know, obviously different time of, of his life, but they were able to win. But, you know, in the last 19 years, sporting has been like, the, you know, the New York Jets of the NFL. I mean, just a disappointment, one disappointment yeah. after another uh, yeah. every year. But the one thing that is amazing about sporting is they have tremendous academy. Um, it's just you know, ridiculous. You know, ridiculous. Uh, well, what's your thoughts on sporting? And, and do you think maybe they've got a shot this year to compete for the title? Um, I think they, they, they could. I don't think they, they have a enough depth in order to face this, this long season and all the competitions that they've been in. And uh, what, I've, what I've just seen in the first uh, five rounds of the, of the tournament, that, uh, 
I think a Marine, uh, a Reverend Amorim is trying, is trying too hard, right? And, and switching up positions uh, up front. Um, last, last stretch of the, of the season, uh, Giovanni Cabral was yeah. on fire, right? He was on fire. He scored, I think he scored uh, five or six goals that he scored last season. He scored in the last stretch of the, of the season, playing on the wing. Playing on the wing, he's not a true nine. He's not a center forward. So you have on the bench, you have on the bench Spotter. That I uh, now you have Nuno Santos on the wings. Imagine that Nuno Santos, Cabral, and Puno Spotter on top, and he's gonna be fed all day long. So, but the situation is if he's going with the three-four-three formation that he he brought in from from Braga, and uh, and you start switching up players, it's just out of position, trying something, do experiments, don't, don't do it. You know, you have the talent, you have the players, you have the, the, uh, the ability to, to switch formations, but without switching players out of position. I understand now that more uh, is about the, the role of the player, not of the position. I heard this many times, it's been, it's been so trendy now about the, the position and the, and the role. But in this case, I think uh, don't take the guys out of position, and uh, I think the uh, the team will will compete. But Benfica uh, is once one or two one or two steps above everybody else this season. I think they're I don't think they're gonna uh, take it away from from the Eagles this season. And uh, you see, I was broadcasting the game. Uh, the last one that they, the Porto lost, and um, I said, "Okay, this is bye uh, bye to the title." I said on on the year, and and it was crazy. It was like, hold on a second, you know, there are still thirty rounds to go, right? But I think about it for a second. This uh, this if it gets eight points clear on the table right now, I'm gonna say eight because I think they're gonna win. They're gonna win tomorrow. That's let's let's be clear here. They're gonna win over Bobby Savoy. I mean, the same issues that they, they have in the, in the previous season. And um, once they win, they're eight points clear of, uh, of Porto. And uh, in the last two seasons, what was the difference between these two? I mean, Porto dropped two points and they lost the title. Then Mefica, in the last stretch of the, of, the, of the season, they dropped two, three points and they're, they lost the title. So eight now, it's just, it's just too much of a gap to catch on, on the Eagles. I don't think they're going to they're gonna catch them. Yeah, the uh, reports last night with, uh, with the papers, um, there's, you know, three big papers in Portugal, Ojogo, uh, Record, and Abola, and a lot of them point to the fact that uh, if, if, in fact, it turns out to be eight points, which, you know, stands, probably may be the case, but uh, we'll see, uh, that it might be too big of a hole. But, you know, what's interesting, Nino, is that the last two Januaries, uh-huh. uh, this past year, we're referring to Porto the year before Benfica, both of them at that time were, were, were behind by seven points and they still managed to come back and win. Uh, so believe it or not, the last two years in Portugal, and I remember about five, six years ago when Rui Vitoria was the manager of Benfica, they were also, I think, behind in December by eight points and they still managed to win. So right. you're right about the fact that, um, you know, eight, I think eight points right now, early November is, is, is dangerous. But believe it or not, there is a history where if you start getting toward the turn of the year, um, it's not really a big deal. And, you know, my thing for Porto, just shifting gears to, uh, you know, Porto is, um, it, it's an interesting situation because 
Sporting and Benfica, like Porto, each had shorter pre-seasons. Right. And they had to play more serious matches before Porto. And yet Porto is the one that looks like they're affected the most by not having a big preseason because they're eight points, you know, potentially five now and, and eight points off the pace possibly. So, um, you know, to me what's going on at Porto is, is just, it really is a story because a club like Porto is not usually this, you know, this far off. But I attribute the reason why they're struggling, um, you know, to me, it's the two things. One, you know, they brought in a lot of players right before the transfer window. Right. Um, I've always said that uh, when, um, when Portugal had the third-party system and they had people investing in buying players and bringing them to Portugal, Portugal, especially from Colombia, used to bring fantastic players uh, from South America, uh, obviously Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, and when that dried up and the third-party system was ruled, I find that the Portuguese clubs no longer get the same good talent that they used to get eight or nine years ago. Hmm. And now you fast forward to what I believe is one of the challenges for Porto is, you know, they bring in some of these players from these bigger clubs in Europe, you know, like the case of one player from Liverpool who got the start. But right. there's a reason why these players are going on loan. You know, they're not going on loan necessarily because, you know, they're an 18-year-old Portuguese kid that needs to play more like we do in Portugal when we loan players. You know, these guys right. are young adults. So I think a lot of times I feel like in Portugal, more and more clubs are getting these players looking to resuscitate their careers. But there's a reason why you're getting them. It's because they're not that good. And I think for me, the problem with Porto is, you know, they lost Telus to Manchester United. They lost Danilo. And then they bring in these players right before the transfer deadline, and it just takes them more time for Conceição to build the team. And at the end of the day, they just don't have enough time right now. I mean, you can't be a work in progress when you're losing points, and especially in, uh, you know, in Portugal. But uh, what's your thoughts on Sergio Conceição as a manager? Uh, I, don't have any, I don't have any issues with, with Conceição now, but I, but I think that... Uh, uh, the situation with uh, up front, you have you, they brought Materemi in, right? To, Who hasn't to started yet, which is amazing. Exactly, exactly. That's what it's gonna get in there, man. And now, why bringing this 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 through nine? Like he's been fantastic uh, last season uh, for Rio Ave, and um, and not using him. Right, and no using it. And it, how could it be possible that if if Tecatito Corona, it's a uh, is having a a subpar night, the the entire team suffers. It just it cannot be based on one man and it, all the uh, all the structure of your team that, that is going down. And uh, in, the, in the past couple of games, I've, I've seen uh, Corona switching from the right flank to the uh, to the left wing in order to generate more options uh, for the team. But I think that they, they will need to, to, to sit down and, and, and really get it together because um, they're, they're falling behind. They're falling behind. And, uh, and uh, what's the other, I uh, forgot the other, what's, what's the top three of, of, of Porto right now? It's- um, What they have up top, Marega, Otavio. Mar Marega and Otavio, yes. Marega and Otavio, that was the name. I forgot about it for, for a second. 
And um, last season, in the beginning of the last season, Marega and St. Louis were on fire, right? In the beginning of the season, the first eight rounds of the, uh, they score at least 10 goals in between the two. Now Marega only has just one goal, and that affects you. And also, I think that, uh, that, Ota, that Otavino is, uh, it's, uh, it's that effective playing on top. I like Otavino playing better as, a, as, a, as an attacking midfielder, but not as a winger. I don't think that's the, uh, the, the right position uh, for Otavino. So they, they, they need, to make some, need to make some adjustments on the formation. But I think uh, we'll see how it goes in January. <laughs> we'll see how it goes in January for Porto. But I think uh, Sergio Consuizal has um, uh, he's gonna make it. He, he's 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 gonna make it work. And it's gonna they're coming from behind. But uh, I think Consuizal uh, has learned a lot from the past couple of seasons. For most for the previous one that they lost the title to Benfica than the one that they won last season. Yeah, no, I, I'm a big fan of his. I don't want to be in a alley with him and get into a fight with him because he is a very emotional guy. But uh, I think he's done wonders at Porto. But right now, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of people questioning. And, you know, again, what's going on with Tereme? And, you know, how is he not playing? Um, you know, I like Zadu, uh, the left back. I think he's he's going to be a very special player. Oh, and... I love it. I, I, I mean, I, I, you know what? I think they have the best two outbacks in the nation. Yeah. Those two. Daidu and the other kid, what's his name? Nanu. Yeah. Right. That they just got they, they, they got <laughs> he got the goal with an port and then you know what you come in to play for us, man. You're not gonna score more goals than us anymore. And I think having Saidu, I mean what's his Nanu and Saidu, that frees up Tegatito Corona to play in a more advanced position. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I think, uh, you know, my, I, I guess the point I want to make about uh, Porto is that, uh, you know, right now this is, um, you know, this is an incredibly dangerous time because uh, they have some good players. There's no doubt about it. And, um, but uh, th there's just too many question marks. I know they got a big match on Tuesday with the, uh, the Champions League, but um, it, it's just not easy. And, uh, you know, a lot of people in Portugal want to see more competition because it's been Porto Benfica for so many years. Um, right. And we'll, and, and we'll see if that, you know, in fact, turns out to be the case. What's your thoughts on um, Braga and Carlos Corvial? You know, Braga is sort of like the fourth best team in Portugal. They're not necessarily as powerful as, um, you know, the big three, of course. They don't have the financial resources. But in fairness to Braga, they, they've, they've come close to competing with the big boys. What are your thoughts as a broadcaster about Braga? Braga is uh, it's an exciting team to watch. I mean, they're so fun to watch. And uh, uh, they, be, they beat Porto all three times that they played last season. Yes. Uh, they beat all, all three times. And now the boy, they lost this one. It was Porto say, enough is enough, guys. Or you're not going to uh, win more games uh, against us. But I think with Carajal, he's adjusting. He's adjusting to the new personnel that he's having. This is, this is Norvio Ave. He doesn't have Taremi. And, uh, but I think they, they will, over time, they're going to get better and better and better. This, uh, and they're going to be up there the last, the last couple of seasons, top four, top three. I, I don't see Braga dropping out of the top four by any reason. No, 
Yeah, I think that it's, it's been a lot of fun to uh, watch them. And uh, I want to ask you also a question that came up this week, and, and I'm not sure if it's, uh, you know, something you would have an opinion on. But, um, you know, Portugal right now, it, they have the domestic competition. Uh, then you've got the top teams that go play in Europe. And a lot of the Portuguese club make their money on selling players. It is a very big thing. Um, and then, of course, you know, they're bringing in players on loan. They're buying young players looking to bring value and then sell them. Um, but that's how Portugal and the economics of Portugal works. Um, now there's this talk about this European Super League, you mm. know, where Portugal may not be a part of it. Um, right. And I've, I've been an advocate that they need to be because um, if the Champions League goes away, then, you know, you're talking about, you know, next year three Portuguese teams go to the Champions League. And right. the top two automatically get 40 million, depending on if they cut that down because of the pandemic. You know, that's a lot of money. As somebody who follows the soccer industry, um, are you a fan of the European Super League? Um, or you think that this is just a lot of selfishness? I think it is. It's just, I mean, I'm a romantic. So I, I think it's for me, it's just, it's just greedy. The, the the big guys are gonna be they're gonna be bigger and uh, leave the the product out of reach, out of reach for the majority of the of the soccer fans and uh, forget about the soccer fans for a second. Think about the the other clubs that they're every time every year they're, they're fighting uh, in order to to get a piece of that uh, of the gold pot that is the, the Champions League. I think the Champions League is going to go away, but it's been on, I mean, it's been on the making. This, uh, I read an article that this uh, idea of the, uh, of the Super League has been um, since 1968. That was the first time that it was uh, brought in. And um, if it hasn't taken place yet, it might be a reason, right? It might be a reason why nobody's getting together i mean all all the all the big dogs and in, in order to um to to make it happen so i don't know why is what is that reason i don't know what it is but i'm happy that it's not it's not happening and i'm happy that it's not happening i, I for, for, because the champions league is so special it's just it's elite. We, we already have an elite competition why are you gonna get another elite competition and Taking the, uh, the so how excited that is this 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 Champions League. I I don't think this I don't think it's gonna happen. Maybe I'm I'm just being so uh, so naive about it, but uh, hopefully it doesn't happen. I, I'm 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 against that uh, that tournament. We're recording this on uh, Sunday. So what? Uh... Uh, what games are you going to be doing today, and what games will you? And are you going to be doing like the Benfica game tomorrow? What's your schedule like? Yeah, today I am. I'm doing Ecuador. I'm doing Alcas um, and versus Emelec. Uh, and tomorrow I have a, a crazy day. Tomorrow Monday is just a crazy day because I have I record a show in the morning, and then I have the two uh, the two Premier League games, and then I have the the Ecuadorian league. So I have uh, three games back to back to back, only 10 minutes in between, between, between games. So uh, I'm going to drop six hours of soccer tomorrow, Monday. So just, uh, hopefully um, I come up alive after that. Man. Yeah, that's a lot. Uh, hopefully you have some nice 
tea or something to uh yeah i would get a couple of gallons of water and my tea my uh, chamomile tea and then everything <laughs> let me ask you two last questions and first off thank you again for uh finding time in your busy schedule to be on and hopefully uh we're doing this of course in zoom so hopefully everybody could listen to it and it's uh, you know good quality um as you begin to work more and more portuguese games and you had to make a suggestion what do you think the Liga needs to do to improve? And the second question is, what do you like already about the Liga you think they maybe do the best? We'll start off first. What do you think the Liga needs to do to improve? Both, in, you know, let's, let's look at it from the production standpoint. What do you wish they would do differently or better? Uh, from the production standpoint, uh, I think we, the, the, we were talking earlier about the uh, providing that connection between the clubs and the broadcast in order to provide the direct information that we were talking earlier, that'll be, that'll be fantastic. You know, when you get there and uh, you already have all the, the information that's sent this directly from the league, you know, set up all the, um, all the, all the stats and all the information that is really helpful and, uh, and, and getting it from firsthand is a totally different thing. Yeah. So that, that'll be, that'll be the best thing that it, that we can, we do the final, hopefully the, uh, uh, the Gold TV and then the Premier League uh, get it together right now in order to uh, facilitate that, uh, uh, that information for us. And uh, as, far as, the, um, as far as the league, but what I like, it's uh, two things. It's just the, I think they're doing the best scout job in the world i think they're the best they have the best scouts in in the world the, the premier league and then getting talent from the places that uh, nobody else gets them in i mean or from iran from uh argelia i mean it's just crazy uh, crazy places that they found players and uh, it's just doing the best business for me the, the premier league is doing the best business about getting players for when we get them from five and then you sell it for 50. That's, that's what they do. And also the, um, the young talent. The, the young talent that is, is being uh, playing now, it's just, it's just amazing. Uh, uh, right side to side with, um, with Uruguay, because the, that's the only thing that I cover. And sometimes, uh, to give you an example, in Uruguay, sometimes they, they put, you see four at least four or five players under 23 on the pitch on both teams. Uh, week in, week out, four. It's just ridiculous. It's in Portugal, it's, it's not like that, but it, you still, you see a lot of young talent on, on the pitch and it's just glorious. And I love Daniel Braganza, by the way, stunning, stunning player talking about young talent. Yeah, well, Portugal, like I said, they, um, they have to field young players. And they have to do that because one of the ways they, they basically make money is the selling of players. And uh, it, it always amazes me uh, when players are sold and a club makes 60 million euros. Everyone's happy, including the fans, like they're getting 60 million euros. But at the end of the day, they've just become a little bit weaker. Uh, but in Portugal, it's, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is one of the reasons why Portugal is so reliant on young players is because, A, they have to sell them and they need right. that money. And at the end of the day, that's how it works. I think that's what makes Portugal different from other leagues in Europe is that it's accepted 
that when a player comes through the system and he goes to play for a big three or Braga, that eventually if he's successful, he's going to be sold. You know, everybody accepts that that's what's going to happen. And I think because of that, uh, players are motivated to work hard, knowing that when the opportunity comes to go to a bigger club, it'll be easier for them because the team wants that money. Whereas when you play for one of the bigger teams in Europe, chances are you're not going to leave your club. You're, of course, you're going to make a lot more money and you're going right. to wind up being in the same club. But if you wind up being in that club and you don't do very well, it's probably going to be hard to get rid of you. But I think that's the secret to Portugal is the fact that the younger players are going to play. They want them to be very successful so that they could be sold for a lot of money. And, you know, you're right. And, you know, you look at Benfica, Darwin Nunez, when you talk about Uruguayan, you know, young Uruguayan players, Walt Schmidt. And I think that's what separates, I think, Portugal from a lot of other leagues in Europe. Um, you know, and the fact that they have so many good young players and the goal is to make them so much more successful so that they could be sold. And it's accepted in the culture that they're going to be sold because at the end of the day, that's how it works. And then you take that money and you invest it in a new set of new players. Um, you know, it's like a garden, you know, you, you walk into someone's garden and you pick whatever you want and you pay for it and then you walk away. But uh, the next day you just plant another seed and you just, you know, basically grow more fruit. And that's the way it works in Portugal. So yeah, I, I think that that's one of the great things about Portugal is the younger players is the fact that they have, you know, so many good young players and, you know, but Aganta is an example. He had a, a tremendous assist uh, the other night. Um, but uh, unfortunately, at the end of the day, uh, you know, Portugal has its financial limits. And hopefully, uh, I, I wish more and more players would stay in Portugal. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people complain they leave too early. Right. You know? it's, it's the same everywhere. It's the same everywhere, man. But, uh, like, yesterday, last night I was watching this this game uh, for Uruguay, the Uruguayan League, and there's this this kid, uh, Tiago Vecino, and I don't know if you heard of him, but Google him, take a look at him. Tiago Vecino, the number 29 for, um, for Nacional, he jumped in on, on the pitch from the bench, and in 10 minutes, he just turned the game on the Nacional's favor. They were trailing one L and they're winning with 2-1 with an assist and a goal from this kid. He's, uh, he's relentless, he's just amazing. And uh, in, um, in Uruguay, they're suffering that a lot because they're leaving the players to early 18, 19, 20 years old. And um, that's how the business is. And uh, sometimes there are some players that they're ready to play in a different league, from a different level, in a bigger level, at that, at that young age. But, uh, there are others that they're just not ready. I mean, they have to, they just have to stay, they have to develop in, 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 in their leagues and then move on. But I think if the player is ready at 19, go for it. You're gonna go, Juventus is coming for you, he's gonna offer 50 million for you, go, go. That's, yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, in Portugal, there's been a number of players that some people felt has been sold too soon, like Renato Sanchez when he was uh, sold to Bayern Munich, a lot of people felt that, you know, he had really a great four months with Benfica and he was sold too soon. And there's talk that maybe Bernardo Silva, you know, was sold a little bit too soon from Benfica and that he still holds a grudge about that. Um, you know. Fabio, is Fabio Silva? Fabio Silva, right? Fabio? Yes, Porto to the Wolves. For me, that's, he, he was not ready. 
for me, in that case, uh, that's, that's an early sale. That's a perfect sample of an early sale. He, how many minutes did he have? He had 60, 70 minutes he played in the Premier League. 70 minutes. Uh, he was sold for 40 million euros. Come on. No. no that's a perfect case for an early sale. This shouldn't happen. And I, hopefully, I wish him the best. But I, I, I don't think, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not too sure if he's going to succeed in the, uh, in the Premier League at this early age with that many minutes on the pitch. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, well, I think that the example with Tim was, first off, number one, Porto needed the money. Um, and you right. know, obviously, if he stayed this year, and let's say he scored 10 to 15 goals, and probably next year he does get sold for 70, 80, or 100 million because his buyout was 120 million, and he got sold for 40. But uh, yeah, he's probably a, but he's a player that unfortunately, because of the situation at Porto, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. And I talked about it in a previous episode that they were even thinking about selling him because he was just getting his feet wet. I mean, he was just, he was just starting to, you know, uh, his, you know, he's a young player. Porto had that fantastic under 19 team, you know, that won the uh, UEFA Youth League champions, which is, you know, a big deal in Portugal. And, um, you know, that, that generation of players was, you know, one of the better younger teams in Portugal in many, many years. But you're right, they should not have uh, probably sold them. But again, like I said, in Portugal, um, you know, if, if Fabio Silva is, you know, on a Barcelona or even at a middle Bundesliga club, um, mm -hmm. they're not going to sell him right away because they're going to use him to, you know, part of their objectives for the season, to win, to try to get points, to get into Europa. But unfortunately, the reality in Portugal, Nino, is it's a different reality. And uh, the reality is, is if somebody comes to you, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just hard to, uh, it's just hard to turn away, but he's, he is a perfect example. And I know uh, Vitinho went also to Wolves on loan with a possible, you know, with a buyout. And uh, there's a great player that's playing on Porto now that, that wasn't sent away on loan. And that's uh, uh, Fabio Vieira. You know, he's uh, right. another, uh, you know, a younger player, but that's the reality in Portugal. But you're right, you know, a player like Fabio Silva, I was, and I still am surprised because I don't think so far he's, he's, he's featured a lot with uh, Wolves. Yeah. Not, I think he's, he, I, I recall he'd made his debut as a sub and, um, but yeah, that's like a big conversation. I will tell you, as you start to, you know, hopefully for many years, do more Portuguese games, you will discover that one of the biggest topics besides referees, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, is the fact that sometimes in Portugal, players get sold sometimes a little bit before their time. And right. the economic realities of the club, which, by the way, are going to be more prevalent than ever because, you know, fans aren't allowed in the stadium. You know, uh, teams like Porto Benfica and Sporting probably make... Yeah, there's many factors you know, that come into yeah. place. They, uh, they just, they just they, uh, you know, they're losing out on all this money and, and therefore a player like Fabio Silva had to be sold. Um, I did want to ask you because I will tell you, and by the way, I do watch Gold TV, um, and I notice sometimes there are situations with the referee where you don't necessarily agree with the call. Uh, you're pretty loud about it, and you even <laughs> like to predict, especially before the VAR, you know, that is not, you know, that's offside, or that's a red, and... Um, you know, in the most polite way you can, what's, what's your opinion on the refereeing in Portugal compared to what you see in other countries? Um, it's not as bad as you think. 
I, I don't think he's as bad as you, as you think. And uh, but uh, sometimes, uh, especially when the when the big three are involved, uh, you see the you know the pitch lines up like this a little bit, right? Or a lot in the last case with Port in the Porto game. That if it wasn't for passes of Ferreira, I mean that they came up with a spectacular uh, performance and in, in offense, they would have lost that that game or or, or a bit of, I don't know. The, Getting only one point, but uh, but uh, sometimes that's the beauty of the game, you know. David against Goliath, and, and David getting the three points, and that was um, that's what is beautiful about this game. That's the, the unexpected things that that happened, that they're not supposed to happen, right? But uh, I don't think this is is that bad. Yeah, but uh, I was just reading also talking about the, all my um preparation too about the, the scandals that they it's not it's not something new right with the officiating especially with the what's what they calling with the golden whistle or something the, the, the situation. yeah there's been various things over the years there's been yeah and, uh, so yeah so i think this but it was very very suspicious for for saying one word in the last game for Porto and then I think I didn't need it. They didn't need that. They don't need it. And if you want to lose that game, just go ahead and lose it. But at that goal that was this allowed to pass us, man, it was just uh, ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, I don't see that um many situations uh when I'm when I'm turning my my darkest side and thinking, hmm, something suspicious is seen here. But uh, no, I, I don't see that many times, honestly, no. I'll tell you one thing. I have no idea in Portugal because of the amount of pressure um, why anybody would want to be a referee in Portugal because that is <laughs> the toughest job. Uh, you you basically work a Clásico, a derby, and there's a call that doesn't go your way and um, you are pretty much – you are a part of the story as much as the result of the match. And, you know, you, you turn the newspapers every day and people are grading you. And, you know, and I find referees um, to be in a tough spot because they're expected to be perfect. And as we know, clubs aren't perfect either. Otherwise, the best clubs would always win. Um, but, uh, and plus, you know, um, sometimes people could take a snapshot of, of how something looked like they should have been called, but the referee doesn't have the ability to press pause and watch, you know, right down yeah. that field of play. Um, and then obviously they can use the VAR, but it's, it's in Portugal, why anybody? I just, you know, you know, it's like in MLS. I, I, you might know of some referees in MLS, the names, but yeah. I could, if I ran into anybody in the street, I would have no idea who they are. I wouldn't. But in Portugal, some of these guys are, they're recognized, and it's very, uh-huh. very scary. But it's just a tough job being a referee in Portugal. Is what I'm saying. Hmm. So, so, so it's, 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 I mean, Brazil too, and Brazil and in, in, in Argentina is 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 hard too. Um, like in Peru, I don't think it's, it's it's that bad. I don't think it's that bad either. I mean, we have just flat out bad referees. Not. <laughs> Just they're they're not doing a good job, and um, but uh, suspicious is everywhere. You know, money is everywhere. You know, the crime is everywhere. So it's uh, 
it is a really tough job. I, I was, uh, I got the, the the chance to be a referee in, in Columbus in, a, in the, uh, the Cedar League. Uh, I was a referee for three years there. And uh, of course, it's a totally different world, right? But the pressure is there. It's still, you still feel pressure in there. And uh, uh, But I'm, I'm not that, uh, that kind of guy that, uh, you know, walks away from the pressure. So when I got people, crazy people talking to me, screaming at me, and of course, you know, because I'm, I'm a Latino guy in, a, in, a, in a, an American league, I got a lot of uh, tough calls. I mean, I got thick skin, so it's all good. So it's all about your personality. It's all about personality, personality and your values. If your values, you get it all set, you should be you shouldn't be worried about anything else, man. But uh, still, it is a tough job uh, for sure to be a referee, man. Uh, I'm gonna summarize it right here and wrap it up. Uh, again, we have Nino Torres from Gold TV. He is the English language announcer. This is his second year. Uh, for those in the states that don't know already, but I. I think most people do. You could, of course, watch the Liga matches on Gold TV, which I believe in many cases is on many basic sports packages. And I think it's also on uh, some streaming services. And uh, interesting fact about Nino is that he, uh, it's, uh, the, the broadcaster is in, based in the States, but he does it from Lima, Peru. And I just find that to be very fascinating. And I think you, uh, you, know, you do a very good job. Uh, most people in the U.S. Uh, that follow the Liga, this is how the number one way they could follow. Uh, unless they have RTP International, which is the international Portuguese channel, they show only one match per week, which is a 9-0. In case you ever wonder why that gets mentioned in, uh, you know, the timeline of PortugueseSoccer.com Twitter. And, uh, you know, again, um, you know, I, I appreciate your opinions. Uh, hopefully this Zoom comes out pretty good in the audio podcast. Uh, any final words you want to say that you want to tell your readers any more information about Gold TV? You know, I'll give you the uh, last word. Uh, nothing. I just got to say uh, thank you very much uh, for tuning in to, to Gold TV. And uh, uh, thank you for watching I'm, that I'm being blessed and doing this job that I love to do, man. That's all I got to say now. And I love soccer. Yeah. No, you're, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a labor of love to be able to do something that you love. And, it's, uh, you know, I, I would love one day to be able to be a broadcaster or a talk show host, you know, I mean, that, unfortunately, I like to talk if you haven't noticed. So I think <laughs> for me, that's maybe the best trait that I have is that I, you know, I like to talk. Uh, give us your Twitter handle again. It's uh, ESPNino74. That's my Twitter handle. Excellent, excellent. Uh, folks, just a reminder, you can uh, listen to this podcast or really any other episode. Uh, it's available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Anchor FM, Overcast. Uh, it's so many. I, I don't unfortunately know all the ones. And of course, you've got PortugueseSoccer.com, the website, and you have the Twitter handle, Peace Soccer, uh, COM. Uh, I encourage you to follow Nino and, you know, hit him up sometimes with your opinions and, uh, you know, sometimes you can even uh, communicate with them what you think about, you know, decisions on referees. Do you agree with them? Do you not agree with them? And, uh, you know, uh, it, I find it fascinating when I watch the broadcast, always hear what other people think of the Portuguese Liga. And that's one of the great things about watching Go TV is you get to see another perspective. Because, you know, one thing in Portugal is you have three major newspapers. Uh, right. Ojugo is really aligned with, you know, the number one source for Porto. Record is considered the number one source for sporting. 
and Albola is considered the number one source for Benfica. And Maish Football, which I think is maybe the best media in Portugal, they're, I think, very even. Uh, and then Zero Zero, I don't know if you're familiar with Zero Zero.pt. They're great for statistics. I'll send you the link. But uh, I always love to hear other opinions. And in addition to getting a good broadcast, I always like to hear your opinions on the Liga. So uh, it's always a lot of fun. And uh, you're not doing the sporting game later today, correct? And uh, Not today, no. Okay, but you will be doing, for everybody that wants to know, tomorrow's Braga, Familia Kong. By the way, how do you say Familia Kong? Because people tell me I don't say it right. It's my accent. Well, what do you say? How do you say what again? Say Familia Kong. How do you say Familia Kong? Familia Kong? Yeah, the team that Braga is playing tomorrow. Pronounce it for me. Oh, oh, Family Kong. Okay, I never get it right. I think you, you know, even though you're Braga, not an Yeah, you've done a better job than, uh, you know, than I did. Uh, yeah, familiar. Familiar. No. Oh, I got my Portuguese thing getting right. <laughs> yeah, no, you do a pretty good job too, uh, saying some of the names. Let me last, I guess, last question Do you, uh, did you ever talk to anyone about getting the pronunciations, or again, it's just something you do on your own? No, I get it on my own. I listen, I listen like crazy, man. Every as much as I can, Portuguese broadcastings, and I just try to get it right. For example, uh, I was saying in Spanish, because in Spanish is Carvajal, right? For right, Carlos. right, right, right. Hold on a second, let me listen to this. And then, oh, yeah, it's Carvajal. Yeah. Say that again? Carvajal. Carvajal, right? Carvajal, yes, you see? I was like, man, I'm, I'm pronouncing this right. I think it's right. So I just went in there and listened to, oh, it's Carvajal. Okay, then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. Uh, that's actually another challenge about, you know, broadcasting in Portugal is, uh, you know, trying to make sure you get the uh, the words right. But I think for the most part, you guys do a pretty good job. And I'm not the most perfect person either. So I have my uh, faults either. Uh, listen, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'll bring you back in a few months. And, uh, you know, at that point, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about, you know, where the team stand in like January or February. And, um you know, hopefully we also don't have any issues with COVID, which unfortunately in Europe is becoming more and more of a problem. Hopefully it goes away with this year, man. Hopefully it goes away with this year. And uh, we have a, uh, of course, it's not going to be as the same world as we know it before this, right? But uh, uh, hopefully it will be better than this year. Yeah, I, I, I am for one cannot wait until I have to turn the calendar to 2021 uh, because uh, 2020 on many levels, you know, started when Kobe Bryant passed away and then you had the pandemic and then you had sports literally playing at abnormal times of the year. And then unfortunately, you know, the many people that have died and now here we are, you know, in uh, November, November the 1st today. And, and unfortunately things seem to be uh, picking up, but uh Hopefully, everybody, including yourself, Nino, you stay safe, and I'll talk to you down the road. Absolutely, man. Uh, thank you for having me, John, and uh, we'll see you. I'll talk to you later, man. Take care. All right. Ciao, everybody.